You are listening to You Might Have a Point. Each week, I bring on a different guest to discuss politics and related topics. The point of the show is to get to know more about what the guest believes and why, which is why we primarily discuss their own views and not my own. I believe in learning about a broad range of viewpoints so that even when you disagree with someone about a lot of things, you can still sometimes say, you know, you might have a point. You can find out more at youmighthaveapoint.com. One thing I need to say before I play this interview is that there were a couple of points where the audio got messed up and I had to re-record what I was saying. Hopefully it's not too noticeable, but if you notice a change in my voice at a couple points in the track, that would be why. Jonathan Stern and Carter Duncan, thank you for coming on. You might have a point. It's a great honor, Stephen. Thank you. So I guess I'd like to start uh, kind of at the beginning. Uh, what led both of you to decide to start Paragraph? I can start. Um, should we should we discuss what Paragraph is first? or? That's um, an excellent point. Um, <laughs> I guess we shouldn't assume that the uh, listeners know what Paragraph is. So yeah, start from there and um, take it from there. Great. Well, Paragraph is a hub... For- hub of discourse for the internet age. It brings distinguished individuals across government, business, academia, religion, and the arts into conversation, into written dialogue about great events and great ideas. So basically, Paragraph is an online meeting place for discourse between great minds. Um, I can start with some of the reasons that we or inspired to start Paragraph. Number one is that <clears throat> over the last few years, I've become enormously disturbed by the state of discourse in America. I think it's fairly cliche at some point, um, certainly uncontroversial, that, that the discourse on social media is often angry. Um, it tends not to be substantive. I think it's made worse by what Harvard professor Arthur Brooks calls the culture of contempt, where it's not enough these days merely to disagree with your political opponents. You must also hate them, think they're evil, um, maybe even enemies of Western civilization and so on. So that's number one. I'm I'm just disturbed by the tenor of our discourse in this country. Um, Maybe useful though to strike a more hopeful note, which is that despite the nature of some of this discourse, all across the internet, I see people trying to have conversations, really trying to engage. Um, The trouble is that all too often these conversations are held back by the available forums, by the available internet uh, forums, Twitter, Reddit, and so on. I'll give one example. In in March 2019, there was a conversation between Russ Roberts, host of EconTalk, and Julia Galef of the Center for Applied Rationality Conversation arose spontaneously on Twitter. Julie commented that she'd like to run a study with thousands of people, asking them whether they were happy about their decision to have kids. Russ chimed in that this would actually be a really bad idea, that when it comes to transformative human experiences, using data, survey data as a guide could be useful, but that doing so has greater potential to mislead Um, than to illuminate. So we, I I don't think we need to go into the specifics of the arguments here. We're actually hosting 
um, a dialogue on this very topic paragraph is between Russ and Julia right now, which is, which is uh, very exciting. But the, the point of this is that they tried to have a conversation on Twitter and it went well. It went, it went fairly well. You know, I was, I was intrigued by the arguments. I certainly enjoyed the intellectual adventure of it all, but I couldn't help but think that the dialogue was in many ways limited by the format of Twitter. Mm -hmm. Twitter is extraordinary. We're all on Twitter. We know this, but it's limiting. It's limiting by design. There's a character constraint, you know, 280 and it's noisy. Um, there's a lot of excellent content that I would not have discovered without being on the platform, but then there's a lot of content that frankly, one would be, one would be better off um, doing without. And so Carter and I wanted to create a site that built on the best of Twitter's virtues for the purpose of facilitating serious written word dialogue between distinguished individuals. We want dialogues like Russ's with Julia to occur, but most of all, we want them to take place on platforms that are worthy of them. And so the, the result of that vision is Paragraph. And I'll add to that um, just a tiny bit and say, um, you know, when we approached uh, at the outset, the idea of, of working on a project, we didn't have, um, I think, as crystal clear a vision of, of what is now Paragraph as obviously we do now. Um, mm. So I think it may be, may be um, interesting for your, for your listeners to know that uh, a couple of the ideas we had discussed at that sort of really early stage, and actually even one proof of concept we'd work on, worked on about a year prior, um, had centered around the themes of transmission of knowledge um, and uh, curation, I guess, of existing content on the mm -hmm. web. So you can see, if you, if you want to draw the narrative this way, you can sort of conceive a paragraph as, um, in some, to some extent, the logical conclusion of having spent some time thinking about those problems. Um, and the backdrop here is, in a lot of ways, this, I don't want to speak for you, Jonathan, on this, but in, in, to some no, extent, speak for me, Carter. I'll speak for you. <laughs> My perception has been that um, America's history has been, you could, you could characterize America's history uh, in the sense that we, we, we were founded as this truly Republican small R government um, and social system, political, social political system. And we, um, as an important ingredient in that relied on an informed electorate, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, Washington Post, democracy dies in, in darkness, right? Um, but for, for, for us to have um, a sufficiently informed electorate, as I, so the way I wanna characterize this is to say that we're, we're inching more and more towards democracy, small d again. Um, which is to say we, we rely, our, our, our political institutions and our societal institutions rely on a populace that not only understands who the, the right elites are to lead, but increasingly has a say in that. And a big part of that has been the information age and being able to carry that and deliver that information to the individuals. But I think there's a higher expectation of democracy now. I, I would um, venture to guess that our representatives in Congress are more responsive or certainly feel or behave more responsive to the interests of their um, constituents than they might have 100 or 200 years ago. 
Mm -hmm. So against that backdrop, you say, well, how do you, how do you get to a point where not only, um, you know, Jonathan addressed this with, with the Twitter comments, but we, we need, uh, we need the, that electorate that those constituents to have the right sort of information coming, coming at them, um, on this fire hose that is the web or the internet generally. Um, so having the right participants expressing their views in a format that's still constrained, it's important to note that, right? So our format for the listeners who aren't aware is, um, two installments for each, um, of the two participants in the dialogue about 500 words each. So a total of about 2000 words, um, ABAB being the pattern there for, you know, first contributor, second contributor, and then repeating that. Um, so, so having the right format, the right level of constraint, I think we hope um, helps to take those sort of intractable ideas. A lot of times they're expressed only in really long journal or magazine articles um, or in really short Twitter comments and exchanges and finding the happy medium. And you know, that's, that's sort of what medium wanted to do. But for us, the really necessary ingredient there is placing two of the right individuals in, in close context to have that exchange. Awesome. Yeah. So to take it from there, uh, if you can pull back the curtain a little bit, um, you know, I go to paragraph, find a lot of interesting debates, but I'm curious, um, how they end up on the website, um, how much editorial, um, oversight or decisions are made in terms of the, the final content. Yeah. Jonathan, why don't you go with that? So sure, sure. to, to set the stage for that, I'll yep. just say, um, as a, as a general rule, Jonathan handles, um, our Twitter account by and large and uh, <laughs> the selection of, of the, of the contributors and the content. So my responsibility tends to be more on the technical side. So this is probably a question better suited for him. And to be clear, the question is how, how is it that the 50 or so dialogues that you see on paragraph ended up there? Yeah. How did they end up there? And then, uh, what editorial decisions do you make uh, right, after right. receiving the, um, written, I got, I don't know what they are letters, um, pieces of debate, um, before they're published. Well, I'll, I'll take the second one first cause it's okay. easy. There's no editorial oversight in the event that someone sends us or uploads to the site, a, a slipshod entry with dozens of grammar errors, misspellings and so on. Uh, given that we're in the early stages, you know, I'll, I'll email that author and confirm with them that it's okay to straighten out some of those errors. Um, and only rarely have we done that. I think one of our contributors, uh, uh, you know, used his telephone for the majority of the entry. You know, he was, he, these, these tend to be busy people and, and 500 words isn't uh, too great a time commitment for them. You know, they've been thinking mm -hmm. all, all their life about these issues. So they just bang it out on their phones. And well, some of them clearly based on the grammar errors. But so in, in that situation, and I want to stress again, it's been rare. I've, right. I've added a comma, you know, I've added an S or changed the verb to the correct past participle or whatever it is. But that's, that's rare. We, Carter and I don't want to exercise editorial oversight. Um, we want Paragraph to be a platform, first and foremost, for these people to uh, visit and have a meeting of minds together, uh, unprompted. Given that we are in the early stages, however, I do reach out 
um, to all of our authors, um, to all of our contributors. Generally, I come up with the topic. You know, it could be a contentious issue in the news media. We just had a, a, uh, <laughs> an interesting election. There were a few topics, a few dialogues we hosted around that topic or tangentially related to that topic. Um, <clears throat> I'm in charge of the content, typically. Um, these are all topics that I'm interested in. So if, if you're bored by the array of topics, well, that's on me. If you're fascinated by some of the dialogues, well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. But in the future, I think we might want to allow the authors, as I said, to sign up to Paragraph, start their own conversations, press submit on their own, and um, at that point, allow their written word to be online for the web to see instantly. Cool. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll continue my role of, uh, of, of backfilling the history on some of this uh, and say, it's probably worth noting that the sort of V1 of what became Paragraph, you know, I mentioned we'd done some stuff before Paragraph that was not all that related. Um, but the, the V1 of Paragraph, I think, in our minds was to some extent this sort of restricted Twitter, slightly lo longer format, um, but in, it's still like entirely autonomous in a lot of ways mm -hmm. for our contributors where, where it wouldn't be us configuring, hey, here's the subject of this dialogue. Um, it wouldn't be limited to just two. Um, it would be much more open-ended and there'd be sort of this fluctuating body of, um, you know, somehow sufficiently notable individuals where we say, okay, you're, you're permitted to go and be a part of the platform. And it has all sorts of flaws and drawbacks. So for some of those reasons, we, we haven't pursued that, but there is this interesting ongoing question, right? Of what the right uh, mixture of um, total autonomy on the part of the contributors versus editorial influence is. And as, as I said, we're already so far on this, this direction on the spectrum of, not being um, particularly involved editorially, uh, but we'd like to see where, where the limits of that are, right? And, and um, I mean, virality to some extent might be correlated with our ability to, to really push that to its limits. I mean, that's part of how I think um, the medium model works is, you know, it, <laughs> if, if, uh, if you let them write it, the readers will come. So we, we're, we continue to explore that kind of thing. Okay. Have you gotten much pushback or criticism from people who don't like what it is that you're doing and don't find it valuable? There was one interesting comment by a professor at uh, California Berkeley. She said, philosophy professor, um, 500 words is not enough to have a serious conversation about important topics. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, I'd reached out to her asking if she wanted to participate on some topic and she said, no, not at all. And so there, there is some reservation about, well, is the format that Carter and I have come up with sufficient for a full investigation of these important topics? And I think in many cases it's not, um, but we're not, we're not aiming at the final word. We're not aiming at the full truth. The, the, the goal is to move in that direction. And um, I think more often than not, we're, we're able to do that with the format that we've decided on. But there, uh, there, there has been some resistance among the contributors to uh, the constraint, the word mm -hmm. constraint. Yeah, and that's a, that's a whole topic of conversation there. I mean, to read one dialogue from 
uh, start to finish is, is probably a 15, 20 minute undertaking for a, a careful reader. Um, so we've already indexed, we've tried to index as heavily as we can towards brevity, but to have a conversation that has, you know, two rounds of back and forth necessitates um, at least four installments, to be honest, right? So we've tried to con constrain a single installment sort of as much as you could imaginably do so um, while still, I mean, even four installments, you could say is, is a pretty strict constraint. Um, so naturally, we, yeah, I think, I think Jonathan already said this, but I think even contributors who have otherwise found the platform appealing um, have reservations about that. I think it's our job, right, situated between the contributors and our readers to um, imagine what is the, the best balance of that. Um, and as I said, like brevity is, is a price, it comes with a price, but it's, it's, a, it's a benefit worth having, I think, sure. for us trying to grow, capture that audience. Yeah, to, relevant to, them. to explore the um, pros and cons of this medium a little further, I guess I'd like to contrast it with, with what I think is more common, which is different organizations hosting um, live debates or like um, whether in person or um, what have you, but you know, mm -hmm. speech as opposed to text. Um, I, I'm not aware of anyone other uh, anyone other than your organization that's doing uh, exactly what you are. Um, do you know of any? And then how do you think that um, the, your format compares with uh, the sort of live debate format? Sure, I'll, I'll take that. Um, we know of one uh, competitor, direct competitor, I'd say. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a website based in Australia called Letter. Uh, you can find the website at letter.wiki. Um, I think they're doing a great job. They're do the, their format's slightly different. The layout of the website is slightly different. Um, I love what they're doing. I spend some time on their site. And I, I, I want to say, whether it's paragraph that's successful or, or letter or both, I think mm -hmm. the world needs something similar to what uh, the both of us are doing. So I hope one of us succeeds at least. But to take the question about the written word, well, I, I, I love the written word, uh, as most of my friends know. Um, I think my, my interest or my love for the written word, it, it, it encourages precision of thought. Writing's hard work. Um, anyone who writes knows that sometimes writing can be agonizing. You know, working through the thoughts, trying to set them in order on a page, it's, it's not easy. But doing so encourages precise thinking. Um, number two, I guess, is that as a consumer of information, I just, I just prefer the written word. Um, when you go, when, when you read, you're, you're able to go at your own pace. You can underline, write in the margins, engage actively with it. That's more difficult, of course, on the computer, but it's even harder, I think, to do that with video. Um, not impossible, but definitely harder. And maybe number three, which is sort of in interesting and I'm, I'm less convicted in this, but we know that the written word persists through time. You know, we're still reading the writing of the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans, the Bible, Aquinas, Kant, Hume, Machiavelli, de Tocqueville, uh, Twain, Dickens, Melville, Whitman, so on. The written word lives even after its author dies. And in many cases, videos do too, but you know, 
we haven't had video for as long. So we'll see how, uh, we'll see to what extent they're able to persist through time. But there's nothing like a handy turn of phrase in my mind, a, wit, a witty sentence, um, a stirring chapter in a book, a transformative book. There's just nothing like it. And that's why for now, paragraph runs on the written word. That's one of the reasons I personally love it. Um, I think there's you know, obviously a place for both, but I've found a lot of value in it. So, um, you know, what one thing I would say is that it's, uh, you know, a well-crafted sentence can have a, a lot of punch to it that um, unless you're a really eloquent speaker, um, you won't necessarily be able to come up with off the top of your head. So that's just what I'd add. Go ahead, Carter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's slightly ironic to have this conversation on a podcast. Uh, right. I have uh, a good friend of mine, and uh, that was one of his first bits of feedback when he encountered this idea and knew that we were working on this, um, was that, that uh, how to put it politely, that the written word might not be the dominant form of our time. It might mm -hmm. not be the most compelling or certainly the most likely to go viral. <clears throat> and he um, kind of took a second and appreciated um, the spontaneity of, of spoken conversation. And he thinks that, or he expressed the opinion, the view that a lot of audiences prefer that and, and that's what they want now. I think there's truth to that. If anything, I don't think we disagree. I'm sure there are people out there who do mm -hmm. um, as to the value of writing. I think if you want to take a slightly pessimistic view, it might, might be our duty or the duty of projects like ours um, to present to, to the modern audience in the modern you know, um, computer literate world that there's, 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 while the, there, there's a degree, there's a measure of magic in what's going on out here. There's also this sense in which the best of what we've had passed down through us through the generations and through the millennia still has a place there. And, and in some ways, maybe the strongest form of what can be done on these new platforms. So I think that's, that's at the, at the heart of what we're trying to do. And it's not to say that we, we're not open to exploring, um, you know, the, again, the right mixture of those two influences, right? But I, I think what will always probably set us apart um, from other platforms of engagement among pairs of individuals or groups of individuals is that we, I think our, our long-term hope is to remain, um, you know, writing-oriented, where writing is the first sure. In some ways, it's easier because there are a lot of other competitors in the other space, right? So... Um, mm -hmm. If you can get at least <laughs> enough of an audience um, in what you're doing. Yeah, I, I think um, one thing just to juxtapose what you were saying with, I don't know if it's exactly a counterexample, but the Gettysburg Address comes to mind. And I think obviously it was a speech. And I think, you know, there are many more famous speeches in history. Um, and I guess Socratic debate is sort of, we don't have copies of those, right? Um, they're sort of a myth um, in some sense, but at the same time, you know, I, I, you know, I, and I'm sure you would agree with it. There, there's a place for all these different kinds of formats, but I definitely appreciate the format that uh, you guys have created. Let me add just one thing there, yep. um, which is, 
you know, you could, you could make the argument that, uh, and I think there, there's a large audience that proves this is true to some extent, that the audiobook uh, captures the, both benefits, right? Like mm -hmm. you have to deliver it fully thought out input, but the consumption format is uh, easier or, you know, uh, more digestible for, for some, um, some readers, uh, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, there's a path there for us, or I know, I mean, other websites do this, right? Where you have written content that can be consumed audibly. Um, I, I think there, as with all of us, there are trade-offs there, but that, that to me seems like the most palatable of the, of the potential options for, for taking, for, for, for keeping what makes writing special, but making it consumable to an audience that doesn't necessarily want to read. Mm -hmm. You better have a good voice though. Someone like <laughs> McCullough or Freeman, Morgan Freeman, you know, for sure. These, these robots aren't quite as good sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that I've realized as a software engineer and getting with different trade-offs is that a lot of times having both is good. So starting off with a text-based conversation where you can write very precisely. Um, obviously, engineering is something that requires precision. But at the same time, there comes a point where you need to clarify things with your fellow engineers. So at that point, talking is more helpful. So um, just sort of I, like my mind, because that's what I do for my day job, um, you know, debates or discussion of trade-offs um, regarding engineering. That's kind of the example that I go to in my head. So um, that's interesting. Uh, the different sort of... Uh, discussion of formats that we've been going on for <clears throat> a while now, but now I, I just want to pose this to you. Um, I believe in diversity generally, including but not limited to ideological, ethnic, and gender diversity, uh, as well as other forms. So how do you think about that as it relates to running paragraph? Well, sometimes I think of the blind man and the elephant parable. Um, where a handful of blind men each have their hands on a different part of an elephant. So, you know, one mm -hmm. man will have his hands on the elephant's trunk, another on the tusk, another on the belly, a third say on the hind legs, um, and so on. Importantly though, none of them knows exactly what the full elephant looks like. Each has just a piece of the truth. I think it's a, good analogy for life where each of us has some of the truth, but none has the monopoly on the whole thing. No one. I hope that at its best dialogue can be a little bit like the blind men sharing with each other what they've determined about the elephant. At minimum, I think it reminds us that there are almost always multiple perspectives on any given issue. And so, you know, the full truth is probably never attainable to humans by dialogue alone but surely it can move us from a small piece of the truth to a slightly larger one. And um, if Paragraph can do that consistently for the authors and for the readers, I, I think it will have been a great success. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'd add there is, yeah, if there is, if there's one place where, um, or one domain in which having a, a variety, the widest possible variety of experiences should be totally non-controversial. It's the free exchange of ideas. So mm -hmm. definitely something we, um, we try to keep in mind as we, as we go about, um, you know, selecting contributors and, um, and topics, right? So it's like there, it, there's almost total perfect alignment in a lot of ways between 
um, the considerations you mentioned and delivering content that is going to be um, both broadly appealing, but also relevant, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so we're in a, we're in a fortunate position, I think, on this subject um, in that uh, doing, doing the right thing, pursuing the right um, variety of, of topics and contributors is, is really well aligned to what we're trying to do. Great. One, one thing additionally is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm in, in many respects, mostly maybe all respects, one of the blind men, Carter too, which is why, which is why we have uh, a suggest page on the site. We want, you know, I, I, I have a few good ideas for topics and mm -hmm. I'm able to find, um, uh, a few worthy or distinguished contributors to discuss that topic. But what about the, the dozens of topics that uh, I haven't yet thought of, you know, the, the, the contributors that I don't know about. So there are blind spots, I think for all of us and uh, we'd like help. So we'd like help getting to know the full elephant. And, the, and that's, that's already played out that way. Right. Um, we, we, we see people writing in and it helps us. Um, shape the, the the direction of the next round of dialogue. So, yeah, yep. anyone listening who's considering that or maybe um, sees blind spots, that's that's why that's there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's a great place to end it. So, um, you can go to paragraph.com. That's paragraph with an I after the first A. Um, pairs of authors. Pairs of authors. Pairs of authors. Yep. Uh, to uh, read all of the great content that you have on there and to suggest more. So Carter Duncan and Jonathan Stern, thank you for coming on. You might have a point. Thank, thank you, you so much, Stephen. It's been a pleasure, yeah. Thanks. Likewise. That's all for today. If you have any feedback, please feel free to reach out. You can find my contact details in the show notes. Please also take a moment to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and take care.